you may think that you're ignoring it or you may think that you have let it pass. Very often what I find is that people are just not addressing it. That doesn't mean it's gone away. Um, and so then it leaks. That's what I call leaking. It comes out in sarcasm. It comes out in not being as available, not being present. And so um, it's really, really important that you don't just bury your feelings. Now, this week, how do you prevent resentment from taking over all the good things that happen in your marriage? Dr. Karen Sherman weighs in. Stay tuned. Okay, here's the deal. I love wine. I know a little bit about wine, but I'm not an expert. But you know who is? Our wine club partner, Touring and Tasting. We have been working together for five years now, and I can honestly say that they have delivered to my door some of the best wines I have ever had. We started working with them so that we could deliver to you an ongoing reminder, a treat to slow down with your spouse and enjoy each other's company and to reconnect. To help facilitate, with each shipment, we provide simple date night ideas and touring and tasting shares background information on the wineries and includes recipes that will pair well with your wines. I should note that many of these wines are typically only available if you actually visit the winery or become a member of that wine club. The customer service from Touring and Tasting is ridiculous. I have a friend who joined and then called me to rave about how enjoyable their customer service experience was. That's unheard of, right? So here's the deal. There are no membership fees. Shipping is free. You can cancel at any time. And these unique award-winning wines come with 100% satisfaction guaranteed, which means they guarantee the wine is delicious or they will replace it free upon request. If you decide the wine you just had was amazing and you want to reorder, you can save up to 70% off of retail. Now here's the closer. If you sign up today, you will receive your first shipment for half price. You can join right now and get your first shipment for a flat fee of $49 plus tax. This is before the half price offer. So your pre-taxed first shipment is less than $25 for two amazing bottles of wine. This is a limited time offer, so don't wait. Go to hitchedmag.com and click the Wine Club link to join today. Gift options are also available. Ahem, wedding season around the corner. And again, visit hitchedmag.com and click the Wine Club link to join in celebrating your marriage. Cheers! Hey everybody, welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of HitchedMag.com. Thanks for listening. I am joined today by Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. Hi, Steve. Uh, Karen, for those tuning in for the first time, is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. Karen is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last, you can get this info at her website, drkarensherman.com. Uh, we also have links to her stuff on our website, hitchedmag.com. Um, 
Today, Karen, we are going to talk about resentment. And um, I feel like this is one of those things where if couples have been together for a long time, um, and hopefully we are talking to people out there who are experiencing long and joyous relationships, um, they will go through various experiences. And sometimes those experiences are not always positive. And we know uh, through research and other stuff that negative experiences in particular have uh, a very powerful impact on couples. Um, how can couples compartmentalize those bad experiences and prevent them from overtaking things and becoming like this big ball of resentment? Well, first of all, I, I do want to say that you're absolutely right, that negative experiences have a very powerful effect. Um, I'm sure at some point in our long history of podcasts, we've mentioned this, but for those who have forgotten or who haven't heard our previous podcasts, um, there have actually been studies that look at the impact of negativity to positivity. And some studies say that the ratio is five to one, Mm -hmm. uh, meaning that you can do five positive things and then have one negative and it outweighs the five positive things you've done. Other studies say that the ratio is 20 to one. In other words, you can do 20 positive things and one negative will outweigh the 20. That's how powerful negative Mm -hmm. statements, negative acts are. So it's really good that we're talking about this because um, a lot of people, you know, when they've said something or done something that's negative, think, oh, what's the big deal? Just let it go. But it's hard to let it go. Um, this is, so- uh, to interject just really quickly, this is also one of the reasons why you have the band of brothers within the military that you have and other mm-hmm. like high stress environments. It's because those like really stressful bad experiences um, have those lasting impressions. Like they could go through and joke around in the, in their cots all they want. Um, but <laughs> it's when they get onto the battlefield and all of a sudden there's like this big wave of negative stress that there's this bond that happens um, because of it. So just kind of reinforcing the, like the negative emotions are crazy powerful. Yes. Yes. So that being said, I don't know realistically if you can can really compartmentalize them. Okay. I mean, I can tell you that you can try, mm-hmm. um, but you know, emotions are a funny kind of thing. Um, they don't make sense. Um, they're not something that you can think about. <laughs> they're what you feel. So I think that it's very hard to compartmentalize them. Um, you know, one of the things that um, I might suggest is that you can try to stand back and see the forest for the trees. And by that, I mean, you can look at your partner and say, okay, you know, let's look at the whole of the person. Let's not just, you know, zone in and mm-hmm. focus on this one negative thing that happened. And sometimes when you have that kind of a perspective, you won't get so, you know, upset by the negative thing that happened. But again, powerful stuff um, when the negative stuff happens. So it's going to be really, really hard to do that. Yeah. And I was just going to add that, I mean, that takes a lot of self-awareness to be able to 
see not just yourself, but your relationship from that kind of a distance mm-hmm. to weigh those things. So yeah. that's, yeah. that's interesting. Um, now one of the, I'm going to bring in some sports really quick here, uh, because it's been three minutes, <laughs> uh, you know, one of the common phrases within sports, um, particularly a sport like golf, let's say where you have a lot of, um, at bats, if you were strokes in, in golf parlance, uh, you need to have a short memory. So mm-hmm. you, the, you know, you took a bad shot, it went wild, went off the fairway, you can't you can't dwell on it because it will perpetuate and ruin the rest of the round. Um, if I mean, you just kind of mentioned that we, you're not quite sure people can control the emotion or the impact of the emotion. Um, but let's say that you are able to step back and kind of see the whole. Um, if you are able to step back and see the whole, and you are able to, let's say, isolate or put that negative thing into perspective, should you do that? Or do you feel like that might blind you from maybe some warning signs that need to be addressed before they do become something much bigger? I think the more awareness you can bring to a situation, the better off you are. And additionally, I think that the more that you can really get your, you can sort of wrap your head around what it is that has gone on, mm-hmm. um, the easier it will be to deal with it. I read a very interesting article recently that was saying that when you're feeling badly about something yourself, whether it's anxiety or depression or whatever, if you can label it, if you can really be specific within yourself as to what's making you have those bad feelings, um, it will be easier to deal with them. And so I think that the same would be the, um, would be true for your feelings in regard to your, your mate. Okay. Okay. So I think, you know, yes, trying to isolate them, trying to really um, get a handle on what it is that's bothering you uh, would be much more useful. So really the isolating part of it would almost be a process to understanding what, what actually transpired Yes. so that, you know, like, uh, let's just say, you, you know, part of the resentment is you feel like you're doing everything at the home and your spouse isn't contributing. And so you get Mm -hmm. resentful of them. And even though you've asked them for it, but if you're able to, you know, step back, look, isolate, you might find that, um, you know, they're not being intentional with it. They are constantly apologizing for it, but, um, you can identify the fact that, uh, maybe they're just like extraordinarily busy now mm-hmm. or that right. this is a new pattern that they've picked up. Um, you know, they weren't always this way, but you've noticed that it's becoming more frequent and then you're able to like, again, reassess, okay, what has changed where this has become a new common occurrence. So, right. Okay. Right. Um, what are some healthy steps to address um, and work through a bad experience. If, if you don't, if you like, you know, something went down and you're just like, Oh boy, this is one of those times where I feel like, uh, I'm going to be holding on to this one for a while. Like I'm probably, I don't want to, but I might be bringing this up in three weeks because this one stung a little bit. Well, as always, I think that it needs to be addressed with your partner to talk about what your feelings are. Now, it's also important that you try to um, 
be aware of whether these are feelings that are truly because of something that happened with your mate or whether it was feelings from your past that got triggered by your mate. So in other words, uh, let's say that um, you prepared dinner and um, your mate you know, you've asked your mate to call you to let you know when they're coming home so that you can get dinner ready and blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know, and, and have it ready. And and they don't. And, and they don't many times. So you get really upset. Now, yes, you have reason to be upset with your mate because they haven't called you or let you know that they're coming home as you have asked them to. But it may also be even deeper than that. It may be that as a kid you had made a request that was important to you and it got ignored. And so that this incident is not only bothering you from the here and now, but is it, it is additionally triggering a feeling that you had from the past. So it would be helpful to sort of sit with yourself and say, is this a feeling that I know from the past? And if it is, then you know, you can't put all of the burden on the interaction with your mate. That doesn't mean, regardless of whether it's from your past or whether it's just totally from you and your mate, Mm -hmm. that it shouldn't be discussed with your mate in either case. Um, The only additional piece would be that you would share with your mate that this is something that is a particularly sensitive area to me because it's a feeling I've had you know, even as a kid. Mm. But um, in in either case, what you would want to do is speak to your partner and say, and again, you know, my usual way of handling things is to first not attack your partner, to take them off the hook and say something like, you know, I'm not sure you're even aware of this, or I'm sure you didn't do this purposely. And then say, but when, you know, I've asked you several times to let me know when you're coming home for dinner, However, you know, that's not happening. It makes me feel like, you know, my needs are unimportant. Mm -hmm. So you want to discuss it so that you make your partner aware and so that you're not sitting with this resentment. And what if your spouse in in that um, scenario is dismissive of your concern? Because well, I feel like if I feel like if the, if the response is just like, well, you know, you know, I was out with my friends, you knew I was going to be home late, um, completely disregarding your concern that you have. Uh, mm-hmm. I feel like that would only build the resentment that you absolutely have. It would. Absolutely would. So a couple of things. First of all, I think there's less of a chance of the partner reacting that way, which would be defensive if mm-hmm. you start out by not attacking. Okay. There's still a chance that they would, in which case what you could say is, I'm well aware that you're out with your friends. And as I said, you know, I don't think you did this purposely. All I'm doing is sharing how it made me feel. And, and you can, when, I, I was just going to say, and you can even just add that um, it's not, it's, you could add that, you know, I realize this might even be a ridiculous ask of you. Yes, it makes me feel better knowing these things. And I, you know, I would just appreciate it if you do this. Like, it's not, I realize this might seem crazy or maybe not crazy, but. Right. But this is important to me. Yeah. Right. Right. 
okay? And the other thing is that let's say you bring this up. To me, a pattern is three times. So let's say that this happens three times. You can say, you know, this has happened three times now. I'm not counting, but, you know, this has happened a couple of times now. And the fact that it keeps happening is is making it even worse because it really feels like, you know, I don't matter or, you know, that my needs don't matter. Um, or you could say, you know, when you when I bring this to you and I've tried really hard not to attack you and your response is like, oh, it's not such a big deal, I feel really invalidated. Mm, yeah. The point is to be communicating what your feelings are, however, to do so in a way where you're not attacking your mate and you're doing that because you want to be heard. Mm-hmm. The goal of this communication is to let your feelings be known and to make sure that your partner is hearing you. Once you attack, your partner is going to close down or going to attack back or get defensive or something. So the strategy is such that um, you make sure that they are willing to hear you. And if if you present it in a way that you know you haven't attacked them and they still dismiss you, call them on it. Mm-hmm. But again, still in a non-attacking way. And I think uh, it's important to bring up that you don't, um, add this this concern onto an ongoing argument or something like that where they're oh, already absolutely. right like uh, so this is something that you do um, maybe the next day over breakfast when you're all both in a good comfortable place not and one more thing right I've told right. you five times so yeah absolutely because then you're that's part of the not fair fighting. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to bring in the entire kitchen sink on this. Um, you don't want to bring in a whole bunch of other uh, topics with this. You want to stick to the point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to move on. Sure. Uh, some Sometimes we think that something has passed, but we mm-hmm. find that there is, in fact, resentment still mm-hmm. lingering there. Mm-hmm. How can you address that resentment uh, head on and, and, and get past it, move forward? Okay, so I think that I think that that makes me bring up something that I would want to say. Perhaps when you say to me, "What's you know anything else you want to bring up?" Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important to address issues that you have that you're resentful about because they don't go away. Um, you may think that you're ignoring it, or you may think that you have let it pass. Very often what I find is that people are just not addressing it. That doesn't mean it's gone away. Um, And so then it leaks. That's what I call leaking. It comes out in sarcasm. It comes out in not being as available, not being present. And so um, it's really, really important that you don't just bury your feelings. Now, you may think that it really passed, Okay, fine. You know, you don't have to discuss every tiny little thing that, you know, that happens. But if you see that, you know, something still is bothering you or you realize that you're leaking, as I call it, Mm -hmm. then I think what you have to do is say, you know, I I want to discuss something with you. And again, I don't think you even realized it, you know, such and such happened. And I, I thought I was able to let it go, but I realize now that it's something that's still bothering me. And rather than it builds up, I, I think it would be better if I shared it with you. And then you discuss it. Okay. 
Um, it, leaking. Is that like emotional leaking? Is that your thing? Did you come up with that? Um, I don't know if I, if I literally came up with it, but I have been using that term forever and I don't ever remember reading it anywhere, but I, but I don't want to take credit for it. Um, but I will tell you that I find that it happens to a lot of people that when you, whether it be with a partner or even within yourself, if you don't address your emotional issues they don't go away. It will come out in some other form, which is what I refer to as leaking. No, I, I love that phrase. Uh, I mean, it's it's so apt. It, <laughs> it works really well. No, I, yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. Because yeah. you do, you see it like some, I will, I will have, um, I will engage in a conversation with somebody and I will just hear a comment. And I've even recognized this in myself where I will say something mm-hmm. and I will immediately feel bad about it or I'll mm-hmm. feel like it's out of my character to say something. And then I'm like, Oh, why did I just say that? Uh-huh. Like mentally, that's the process going on in my head. And then I think back and I'm like, Oh yeah, I got some, I got some stuff I need to work out. Uh huh. So, uh-huh. uh, and it does it. I feel like it's a leak is a very good way of putting that. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> um, that, uh, it works for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what we have up to this point essentially been talking about, um, couples and, um, you know, two spouses engaging and dealing with their emotions. Uh, as we know, when you marry somebody, you also marry their family. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, sometimes there can be some resentment toward a family member, mm-hmm. um, an in-law, a sibling, whatever. Um, so how do you address um, and sh- should you try to resolve it? Should you attempt to bury it or ignore it or limit it? Because unlike your spouse, where you're going to, who, you, whom you're going to see every single day, hopefully, um, depending on, you know, work schedule, everything, all that stuff. Anyways, um, you're going to see them frequently, but your family member, particularly extended family, you might not see them with the exception of holidays or maybe even longer than that. Or maybe you see them you know, every weekend, but it's, it's going to be less frequent. So like how, how does, does that change the, um, the calculus on this and in regard to how you deal with it? Now, you know what I'm going to answer you. Sure. It depends. (laughs) That's correct. (laughs) It depends on what happened that made you feel resentful. It depends on how significant this other person is to your spouse um, is this is this one of those things where it's kind of like um, the definition of addiction, where when it starts affecting things in your life? I hadn't thought of it that way. Let me give that some thought. I, I don't know if I would just categorically put it that way. Okay. But in my mind, okay, let's say... It's your spouse's sibling. Okay. You know, depending how frequently you see them, mm-hmm. if the spouse has done something that has really, really offended you, but your mate says to you, you know, I, for the, for the few times that we see him or her, I really would like there not to, for this not to be brought up. 
Um, I feel that it's important, you know, that we just maintain a facade, bah, 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 bah. then maybe you go along with that. And maybe, you know, a good discussion between the two of you where you're validated by your spouse in regard to what was done by the sibling will be enough. If you're seeing the person on a regular basis um, and you feel that, you know, you, you can't, uh, and you work out some kind of an arrangement where maybe you don't have to interact as much. I mean, there's so many different pieces to this. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on what the offense was. You know, it dep- You know, in today's world, I think part of our social culture these days is everything going on with politics. Yeah. Families are splitting up. Friends are splitting up. I don't think we've ever had that historically, except maybe during the Civil War. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it's a matter of, you know, how do you, how do you want to deal with it? Do you just not discuss politics? You know, do you just decide, you know, um, you have your stance, I have my stance, and nobody's going to talk about it or just decide, you know, um, we'll agree to disagree. So it, it's really hard for me to answer this question because I think there are so many different aspects that go into deciding. I think the most difficult part of this, what I imagine would be the most difficult, is if you if you feel that a family member um, has done something offensive to you, and when you attempt to tell your mate about it, you feel you have no recourse. In other words, your mm. mate won't hear it, won't validate it, and it insists that you continue to function in a loving, caring, um, you know, appropriate way, and your feelings are not hurt at all. I think that would probably be the toughest situation. So, so that that is actually a very interesting scenario. Um, I want to I want to play that a little bit, play it out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you, you go to your spouse and you say, you know what, I can't believe your brother or sister um, said this or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And you feel like your spouse hasn't really, you know, listened to you or kind of brush it off of like, well, you know, he's a whatever. Mm-hmm. And you then, um, as the offended party, you're like, well, I still hurt. Like, I feel like I need something out of this, like you to validate it or an apology. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, should you, as the offended person, press your spouse to acknowledge your pain? Should you press your spouse to get an apology if you feel like that's deserved? Should you address this directly with the sibling to to work this out with them? Or do you just keep them out of it because... You know, they are the source of the problem. (laughs) What I would like to see happen and what I have experienced with my couples through the years may not match. What I would like to see happen is for the offended party to be able to say, look, you know, um, I will attempt to be respectful for your sake because, you know, this is your sibling and, you know, you still want to have interaction. But it's hard for me to do that if I don't even feel that you understand me. Um, 
And then the mate would be able to say, look, you're absolutely right. I get it, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is there are some, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about my blood. Don't say that. And, you know, they will uh, defend them to the death. Uh, and then the offended party will end up being, uh, feel really shut out or feel not heard or understood. And I've had couples actually come to me where that's the problem, where mm. that's the, um, you know, triggering problem that brings them in for therapy. Um, so. I think it's difficult. I think it's difficult too, because in those kind of scenarios, um, let's say it's my sibling, you know, they haven't offended me. There's nothing but, right, you know, right. love and friendship and whatever else between me and my sibling. Mm -hmm. Um, but my spouse might feel different because their interactions have been, let, let's just say completely opposite. Right. And so Mm -hmm. they feel constantly offended and it's tough to put that square peg in the round hole because it's like, well, I don't even, I don't even know this person you're talking about Mm -hmm. because that's not my interaction with them. And so, and then you find yourself in that position of, um, trying to be the mediator, but you don't. You know, and and the other thing is you have these two people that you care about, right? One of them's blood and the other one is the person you chose to live the rest of your life with. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just this really difficult uh, position. Right. You know, I, I guess one of the things that the offended party could do, and but I, again, re- realistically, I don't know how many people would be able to do this, is to say, look, this is your brother or your sister, I will tell you that it is not my plan to ever act disrespectfully. I'm not going to break up the family. Um, And, you know, I will act in a way that will be appropriate. But that being said, I need to feel that you can hear me and understand that what was done or what was said was very offensive because if I don't get some sense that, you know, I'm understood, it's going to be really hard for me to just, you know, pretend like it didn't exist. Mm-hmm. I think that you have a better shot then of being validated. But again, um, you know, especially since the, the person whose sibling it is doesn't feel like, oh, okay, you're going to try to, you know, create trouble and it's going to come between my family and everything. But again, you know, when we're in the world of emotions, it's very hard to um, make a guarantee as to how people are going to respond. Yeah. And and I just wanted to throw this last piece in, which is something you say uh, frequently, which is like it, it's going to be really difficult for you to get your sibling to change. And in fact, um, you can't make other people change. No. So to um, expect that you're going to tell your spouse, you know, I was offended and then your spouse to tell the sibling and they're like, okay, and then they're going to be a completely different person is is just like an unrealistic expectation. Oh, totally, totally unrealistic. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, I'll give you the big one. Any any other final tips or points or advice that you wanted to add to this topic? The only piece I would say is, you know, that. Obviously, the sooner you deal with issues that are upsetting or making you feel resentful, the better off you are because the only thing that will happen is it'll build and build and build and it gets much more complicated and it becomes much more difficult to deal with. 
Um, you know, it, it will end up coloring the way you see things, the way you're experiencing things. And, and then it becomes really messy. So, um, again, I don't think that every tiny little thing has to be discussed, but if, if it's something that's nagging at you, then I do think you're better off, uh, bringing it, you know, bringing it out in the open. Yeah. I, I kind of look at, um, this kind of stuff as like little cuts, Mm-hmm. And some cuts are they hurt, but they don't really do any damage. And some cuts they draw blood. And when they draw blood, I feel like that's when you need to put some antibacterial on it, some antiseptic or whatever on it, um, because if you don't, it might fester and get infected, and mm-hmm. then, and then become a much bigger issue than it needs to be. And eventually, even when it finally heals, you're left with this scar. Mm-hmm. And you know you might move past it. Right. Like you, you're going to regain all motion and, and usability of that limb or finger or whatever you cut. Um, but that scar is going to remain and you're still going to see it. Um, and it's still going to be there whether or not you've moved past it or not. And I kind of feel like if you just address it on in the appropriate times, like you mentioned, you know, not every little bump that you get. But when it draws blood, you know, when you address it and get it out there. Um, it will heal. You'll never even notice it. And in, you know, in some time you won't even remember where the cut took place. Yes, absolutely. And that wasn't even a sports analogy. I'm very proud of you. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I know I'm <laughs> going to dip into some, uh, some different books soon. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for your time, Karen. It is always a pleasure. Uh, and I look forward to doing this again very soon. Okay. Thank you, Steve. Uh, I want to remind everyone that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, who is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for 30 years. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this and more information at her website, drkarensherman.com. Uh, another thing is that Karen does um, therapy through the interwebs on uh, Skype. And so if you are seeking um, some counsel, some treatment, uh, you can contact Karen at her website. Again, it's drkarensherman.com. Uh, this information and more is available on our website, hitchedmag.com, including past podcasts. Um, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter, which is awesome. Uh, you can follow us on our social platforms. And, of course, we have thousands of articles uh, that cover just about everything you could possibly imagine when it comes to marriage. So check it out. And uh, that includes some, like, really cool information. Um, we have a relationship with Reuters where we use some of their content. And they are constantly putting out these really cool studies and stuff uh, that people do in regards to marriage and relationships and family. Um, and so there's a lot of really good, new, fresh, scientific, interesting information uh, that goes up really frequently. So check it out. Uh, so one last time, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you, Steve. All right, that's going to do it. Take care, everybody. 